0: go in there, I need to get uh, William and Gideon and Gray to stand up for me for a second. William and Gideon and Gray. Can I get a show of hands and see amongst you how many of you know what Star Wars is? How many of you have ever seen it? You've seen it? Okay. And how many of you know what the Jedi are? Okay. Well let me introduce to you the three of the newest Jedi Padawans on the planet. Let's give them a hand. Woo, all right. You probably, you probably didn't know that these were Jedi in your midst when you saw them earlier today, but they are. They've been to uh, the Jedi Training Academy at Disney World, and they faced down Darth Vader himself, and it was incredible. And Yoda, if you know who Yoda is, actually spoke over the speakers and said, I now, well, how would he say it? I can't, I'm not going to try to do Yoda's voice, never mind. <laughs> He said, you are now Jedi, you can do it, (laughs) Jedi Padawans. So anyway, these are the new Jedis right here. Thanks, everybody. Y'all can go back over there. I'm going to give you the force push and push you into the thing. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, um, I wanted you to acknowledge them because it's not often that you get to worship with Jedi. Isn't isn't that true? Um, And here's the thing. I'm going to tell you another story about Disney today. I told you a story about Disney last week, and if you were here, it'll be a different story. But I'm going to tell you another Disney story. Because uh, they, have these, they have this amazing thing called the Jedi Training Academy at Disney. And, um, and our, those three boys were with us this last week at Disney, or two weeks ago. And they went there uh, to this Jedi Training and they, what they do is they take them, the kids on stage and they give them training lightsabers, not real ones, because that would be dangerous, training lightsabers. And these real Jedi Knights come out and they train the, the kids to fight the dark side and how to, how to fight the dark side. And it's really amazing. But then all of a sudden, uh, the ground starts to rumble. And you hear the dun 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 the And the smoke starts billowing out of these, out of these doors in the back. And, and, they, and the doors open, and out come two stormtroopers, and they're, and they're waving blasters around, and then you hear it. You know what I'm saying? And out comes Darth Vader, for real. I mean, it's like really him. And, and it's amazing. You should see the kids' faces when Darth Vader comes out. Because uh, he, he walks through these doors, the kids are freaking out because it's Darth Vader, people! And then his voice booms, and he turns to him and he says... Join me on the dark side. I can't do Darth Vader's voice. I get it. But anyway, you understand. You can imagine what it sounds like. And the kids are like, no, I don't got to do it. Um, anyway, actually, there's a, there's a video, and I was told about this, that um, one of the kids, when Darth Vader came out the, the thing, they're on this platform about six feet high, about maybe five feet high. And one of the kids was just like, ah, and just jumped right off the platform back into the crowd. Like, I'm done, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I didn't realize it was going to be him here. But anyway, each child gets to fight Darth Vader if they want to. They get to fight Darth Vader and Gray and William and Gideon, they, each of them faced down the dark side. They refused to give in to the dark side. They, they did, a, they did a, a sword battle or a, a lightsaber battle with him and they became Jedi Padawans and, uh, now they get to learn the ways of the Force. Okay. Of course, any, none of that's real. Y'all know that. Star Wars is not about a real universe. I know that too. I want you to know that I know that. I know that Darth is not real. But it's, uh, they do an amazing job, and it's Disney, and it's, it's pretty awesome. And um, anyway, really incredible. I tell you that because I'm going to totally shift gears at this point. So I'm sorry for the whiplash effect at this. But I tell you that because for much of the history of the people of God, uh, actually the people of God kind of treated God like he was Darth Vader, okay? I tell you that because that's, that's the truth. Uh, it was almost like whenever God showed up, it was almost like it was, they were afraid of God. Like if you read through the Old Testament, one thing you'll notice is that whenever God shows up, people are fi- filled, filled with fear and dread. And it's, um, it's not because they thought God was evil, like Darth Vader, It's not because the music was coming and rumbling and there were blasters and stuff. It was not because uh, of that. They were scared of God, not because he was evil or because he wanted to do them harm. They were scared of him because he was so good. Does that make sense? He was so good. They were scared of him and they were filled with fear and dread because he was so holy. He was so holy and they knew that in his presence they weren't holy. They were filled with sin and so It caused them to have fear. That's why when God would show up, the people were afraid because of his holiness and our sin. Ever since sin came into the world, we cannot encounter God without being filled with fear. It's just the truth. I'm going to give you some examples. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you know, they ate that fruit. And you remember what happened? They fled from God. They hid from him because they were afraid. They hid themselves. They'd never been afraid of God before, but now that sin had entered the world... Now that sin entered the picture, they were afraid of God. And so they ran and they hid themselves from him, almost like Darth Vader was showing up. And after God led the people out of Israel, excuse me, people of Israel out of Egypt, and he took them to, into the wilderness, and he gave them the Ten Commandments at the Mount, Mount Sinai, when God showed up, the mountain was covered in fire and smoke, and, and the earth quaked. There was lightning. The earth shook, and the people trembled with fear. And they said to Moses, Moses, you go up. We don't want to go up. You go up to the mountain. You, we nominate you. You go up and talk to God because we we're afraid and we don't want to die. You remember the famous scene in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah encounters the Lord in the temple. He says the Lord was high and lifted up, sitting on his throne. His train filled the temple and the seraphim were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the whole place trembled and was filled with smoke. And Isaiah cried out, What did he cry out? He cried out, Woe is me, which means bad things are about to happen. Whenever somebody says, Woe, it means bad things. Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm undone. I'm ruined. And why? He says, Because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I've seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was undone by the sight of God. Woe is me, he said. He was overwhelmed by God's holiness, instruct struck to the core with an awareness of his own sinfulness in God's presence. I'm a man of unclean lips. Ever since sin came into the world, we cannot experience the presence of God without also being filled with fear because he is infinitely holy and it exposes the, the darkness of our hearts and the depths of our own sinfulness. And this doesn't seem like a Christmas sermon, does it? No, it doesn't. But listen, here's why I'm saying all of this. I'm saying it because Christmas changes everything. That's why it changes everything. And from the beginning of the Christmas story, you can tell that something is going to be different this time God shows up. Did you know that every single time an angel appears to anybody to announce that the Savior is coming, to announce that a child is going to be born, did you know that every time the angel appears to somebody, you know what he says? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You want want to be afraid, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because the people were afraid. If you read the story, you see that they were. They were afraid, just like Adam and Eve in Genesis. After they ate that fruit, every single time an angel appears to somebody to announce that a Savior is going to be born, they were afraid. And how could they not be? God was showing up. Heaven was breaking in. The Holy One of Israel, the one that Isaiah saw in the temple, was showing up. And so they were afraid. And when that happens, the earth quakes and the people tremble. And they had no idea what to expect. What does this mean? Every single time an angel appeared to them, they were afraid. But every single time, the angel said, don't be. Don't be afraid. I bring good news, good news of great joy for all people. Don't be afraid. Christmas changes everything. You know, at this time of the year, it it can get pretty overwhelming. I don't know if y'all get overwhelmed at this time of the year, but I start, to, I start getting overwhelmed with all the getting ready and the getting together and the getting stuff, the presents, all that stuff. We eat special meals and special foods. We gather with our family and our friends, and we remember the ones that we've lost and we've, the ones that aren't with us. We have all these traditions to mark this time of the year, this time of the year, is special in our lives. And for me, this, is, this time is, is magical like no other time is. But underneath it all, Christmas is more than just the gifts and family and old friends and the memories. One of the most haunting passages in all of Scripture to me comes from the third chapter of Ecclesiastes. Listen to what it says. It says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity into our hearts. Isn't that an amazing thought? That God has put eternity into each of our hearts? And the thing is that that, that God put that there creates a longing and a hunger right here that can never be satisfied by all the gifts and the family and the friends and the memories. He has put eternity into every human heart. And you felt it too. I know you have. After the magic of the moment fades, after all the presents have been opened and all the parties are over, after all the celebrations have come and gone. You are left with a sense of emptiness, of not quite being content, of wanting something more, because God has put eternity into your heart, and there's nothing this side of eternity that can satisfy that longing. And the thing is, we were made in such a way that there's only one thing, only one thing that can truly satisfy us, and that's God. But because of our sin, it's of God that we are most afraid. And that's why Christmas changes everything. We couldn't reach God, so he came to us. We couldn't reach him. Our sin made it impossible, so he came to us. And when God did come, when God stepped into the world, he came not in power and might, not with, uh, not with smoke and dramatic music, but he came as a baby, as a little child, in poverty, born in a stable. And as Gabriel told Joseph in the Gospel of Matthew, the child would be called Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. God was coming and the angel said we didn't need to be afraid because he was coming to save us to save us from our sin so we wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. In our reading today from Isaiah, uh, we uh, God is telling King Ahaz to ask God for a sign, but Ahaz refuses. And uh, and th- that was a bad thing for Ahaz to do. He tried to make it out like it was a good thing. Oh, I'm not going to test. I'm not going to do that to you, God. But actually, it was a bad thing. Ahaz was an idol worshiper. He had long since turned away from God. Uh, but God was offering to help him. Ahaz was the king of Judah, and Judah was surrounded by enemies on every side. And he said, "I'll be with you. I will protect you. Ask me for a sign. I'm not going to do it." And so then God says, "You know what? You're not going to ask me for a sign, but I'm going to give you one anyway. And the sign will be this." that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, And of course, that means God with us, which is both a very good thing, but also a terrifying thing. It's a good thing if God with us means he is fighting our enemies, but it's a bad thing if we think we might be his enemies. Does that make sense? Like if we think, if we're afraid of him and we know that we are sinful and we feel like God is gonna come and be with us, that might be a very scary thing. And for Ahaz, it wasn't a good thing. God was coming as Emmanuel, and he was coming in judgment. And if you read the rest of chapter 7, that, where, that, where that is, and then chapter 8, you see the calamity that comes upon Ahaz and the kingdom uh, when God as Emmanuel comes and the prophecy is fulfilled. Uh, the, I'll just summarize it real fast. The whole land was filled with darkness. That's what, the, that's what it says. The people were filled with anguish, and, and it was a time of deep darkness. But then listen to the amazing words from Isaiah chapter 9. This is is the amazing thing. Isaiah says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles will be filled with glory. And of course, Galilee of the Gentiles is where Jesus spent most of his life in ministry. And then Isaiah goes on to say, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. For unto us a child is born. Unto us the son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David from this time forth and forevermore. And I love that. I don't know if you love that, but I love it because I always hear music whenever I read that passage, right? I hear Handel's Messiah, and I can hear it, and it's just wonderful. It's awesome. But I also, uh, it also makes me think of what we read from our gospel this morning, which, which is in fulfillment of it, where it says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. That means she was afraid. And considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Don't be afraid. Galilee of the Gentiles is about to be filled with glory. The people who have walked in darkness are about to see a great light because a child is about to be born. A son is about to be given. So don't be afraid. This is good news of great joy for all people because Christmas changes everything. And there's one more thing I want to say before before I stop. What did Gabriel say to Mary? This is the most amazing thing. He said, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. And right there, there something amazing happens. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You are, God is, is going to do amazing things, good things for his people. And, it, and it's like right here. It's the start of something new. It's the start of a new kind of relationship with God for God's people one in which we don't have to be afraid because he is giving us a child who will change everything. And I love the way that Mary responds. She says, I'm afraid, but let it be with me according to your word. Let it be with me according to your word, God. You say that I found favor with you, then let that be with me, whatever your word says. Not another word, but your word. I want your word to control my life. I want it to be your word and not someone else's word that tells me who I am. Don't you see? I mean, I love that. How many times do we let some other word control us? What someone else might say or, or what society might say or what we even might say to ourselves. But Mary shows us a better way. Let it be, let it be with me according to the word of God. And God says, don't be afraid. God says, I have faith. favor with him. Let it be with me according to that word, Mary says. And that's the promise of Christmas. It's the promise that because of Jesus, because of the child who was born, those who feel like they are trapped in a life of darkness, they can come to the light and have their darkness banished. It's the promise that those who feel like there is no rest and no peace and no hope can come to this child and the child who's the wonderful counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace can establish a deep shalom in their life, a deep peace that will never, ever end. It's the promise that because of that child, you don't have to be afraid, and I don't have to be afraid. You too have found favor with God. Your sins can be forgiven, and you can come boldly to God, and the feeling of eternity in your heart and all the deepest longings of your soul can be satisfied. In Him, And like Mary, you can let it be to you according to God's word and nobody else's. I mean, that is an amazing thing, if it's to you according to God's word and nobody else's. For unto us a child was born, unto us a son was given, because, and Christmas really does change everything. I hope you have a wonderful, joyous, and merry Christmas.